everybody. On this week's edition of Guys Talking Sports, Kyrie Irving talks about the next Nets coach and some of his teammates' players. Um, University of Virginia football players, the shooting there. And uh, we do talk about some football and why Ace doesn't believe in his 49ers. That and a little bit more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Guy Talking Sports. It's 11-17, uh, 2022, another Thursday night. It is brick cold outside in the state of New Jersey, that wind chill. Got a brother brisk freezing, <laughs> trying to walk from the train um, to, the, to the shuttle bus to another train just to get to work. So it's, uh, it's not a lovely sight going to the um, city of brotherly love during um, working hours first thing in the morning. But we are here, ready to talk some sports, talk some shit. Right now, we got my brother Alan and um, Ace will be on shortly. So, Al, what's good tonight, baby? Yo, I will say this. As cold as it is outside, it could be much worse. We could be near Buffalo where they're about to get four feet of snow or I think more than that. Five feet last time I heard. Oh, well, see, there you go. <laughs> but I'm ready to get down and start, talk about what's going on in sports. It's so bad out there. They were talking about moving the game that they had Actually, going on. They did. They're moving into Detroit now. Yeah, we can't have that. <laughs> Too much damn snow, even for the NFL. Yeah, definitely. So uh, so we're doing good tonight, everybody. So uh, like I said, Ace would be on in the uh, in the second half, but um, we want to get started. There's a lot of stuff going on today. You know, college football, the rankings haven't necessarily changed. Baseball, the AL has the new MVP, um, Aaron Judge. But we're going to start off with basketball and some explosive stuff. We're not talking about uh, we're not talking about Seth Curry. Steph Curry scoring 50 points and still getting waxed by the Suns <laughs> or Wiseman getting dropped down to the G League. We're going to talk about the goddamn Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant making some interesting comments. So before we get started, let me make sure I read out exactly uh, what was said. Um, let me get, as they say, go to the videotape. As Kevin Durant was talking to Bleacher Report, he was talking in regards to, A, first, the summer request of, um, of having Steve Nash hired. He said, and I quote, it wasn't difficult at all to request a trade because it was all about ball. I went to them and I was like, yo, I don't like how we are preparing. I don't like shoot arounds. I like practice, but I need more. I want to work on more shit. Hold me accountable. Get on my ass and film if that's what's going to help you get on everybody else's head. I want to do more closeouts. I want to work on more shell drills and practices. This is the type of shit I was coming at with them. I wasn't like, yo, y'all need to make sure everybody around me can make my life easier. Hell nah. I want to make everybody else's life easier. Ask Steve Nash. You can go and call him right now. I would say, yo, I need more closeout drills. We need more practice. That's what I was on. And that was in regards to Steve Nash, but there's more. <laughs> and talking about the lineup and talking about a lead, him being a leader, he said, what does, he, what does it even mean? But in regards to the lineup and, and about their recent play, he said, and I quote, look at our starting lineup, Edmund Summer, Royce O'Neill, Joe Harris, 
Nick Claxton and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from this group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from the lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. I'm really having a good time. I wish I could hear me talk during the game if I got mic'd up more. People will stop asking me if I'm happy or not. I'm enjoying every moment I get to step on this fucking court. And then part of it is because I tore my Achilles and the pan and the pandemic, I didn't know we were going to play again. I didn't know if I was ever going to play again. There's a lot more from that, but those are some of the major highlights. Al, what in the world do you think about that? Uh, first things first, I didn't know all of this was going down because I haven't been checking my sports today. So um, I am very surprised in regards to what was said. First things first, though. My thing about this is, if I could say, if anything, that I kind of wish that Kevin Durant said, explained this during that time last year, um, during before the whole request in a trade went down, because then everybody will be un more understandable in regards to why he wants to get traded. Based off the explanation, I don't have a problem with why he was trying to get traded. It is what it is. That's over with. The more thing alarming to me is the fact that at the end of the day, I'm just more curious in regards to why to call out the naming of the starting lineup um, and ask that question, what are you expecting from that group? I mean, what we're expecting is for you guys to be one of the top teams in the East. What we're expecting is what we I mean, even if you don't have Kyrie, we're expecting you to at least play with intensity, play as though that it's not, you're playing not, I mean, it's almost as if you're saying that you cannot win with this group at all, um, which is a bad look. Now, I know you want to be vocal and stuff like that, but it almost sounds as though that you're not counting on your team. With this team as constructed, the starting unit, to win games with even you on the actual starting lineup. And if that is the case, that means your chemistry is definitely not as where it's supposed to be. Now, maybe you was expecting, I mean, of course, you was probably expecting a starting lineup, of course, to include Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. But at this particular point, they weren't a part of the team. So just because they weren't a part of the team or now playing or now Ben Simmons being rolled to the backup version of Nicholas Claxton, you're automatically assuming that this ain't going to work and you're not going to, um, the expectations are low. I think that this could have been kept under wraps, to be honest, that part of the interview could have kept private, but you bringing it out is not going to help the Brooklyn Nets. It's not going to help your team as a whole. Your team still needs a lot of stuff to be worked on. The Kyrie Irving alone was just a, a, a whole distraction as a whole. But now you bringing this into the mode forward where people are going to say, don't care if you're happy. You're just not, you don't want to, I mean, you're, you have low expectations set with this current group of players that are starting starting in the, in the lineup. I think overall what it is is going to be, is going to be, a, a, it wasn't, the, 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 the timing, I should say, of this was all off. It should have been no reason why there's a, like, why say this now? You could have kept everything, you could have kept it general. 
um, for the most part. But no, you had to go into more detail. And not only does that work now, does it doesn't work in your favor. Now you're going to have the people that you're playing with. They're going to be at a point where it's like you don't even really trust us to have the expectations to, that whoever we play against, we can win. It's not a good look. Um, and quite frankly, it doesn't help things. And you're now in a position where you guys are six and 10, I believe. And you have a game tonight. And I'm very curious as how that game is going to go, whether or not you're really going to continue to have these low expectations of the team. Just because you want to play ball all the time and you good, you feel good and you're happy because you're out there playing ball, doesn't it doesn't negate the fact that you still have a chemistry issue with the current people on the roster. And until that is fixed, this is always going to be a problem. And now it's not just Kyrie Irving that has a is going to be a distraction. You're now going to be a distraction. And now it explains why so many teams are looking. There are so many reports out there that, of course, where Kyrie wants to get traded to this season. Like, I don't think that this is going to change. If you just keep quiet and just focus on the basketball aspect, like you said, then it wouldn't matter. But the fact that you're speaking and you're being open about it and you talk calling out your teammates um, for the most part saying that you have low expectations of them winning, it's a bad look overall. Uh, I could go into my soapbox about the rest of Brooklyn Nets, but I reserve to do that. I'm not going to do that today. He reserves the right to recall if, if, need, be. <laughs> if need be. And I have a feeling that I'm going to have plenty of opportunity to do that. Uh, before we get going, we want to uh, welcome in our boy Ace, uh, who, like I said, was dropping a little bit late. Ace, how's it going, bro? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Happy to check in. Look forward to uh, commenting on either Kyrie or, or Kevin Durant that you're speaking of. I don't think he heard about the Kevin Durant um, thing. I, I, I heard Kevin give some information talking about the reasons why he was requesting a trade and vice versa and all that type of crap. I don't know if you're speaking on that or you're well, speaking on. Well, the reason why I was speaking on, the thing I was commenting on is what he said during that interview. Mm -hmm. The way he said, look at our starting lineup. Um, Edmund Summer, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. So not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? And he said, you expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. And yes. And that's really what, to be honest, that right there is yes. Nets fans expect you guys to play well when you are out there. Bottom line, it doesn't matter if you're out there or if Kyrie is out there. We expect the Nets as a team to play well. And with this type of, now you're going to have me in the soapbox. Now with this type of problem, because now you put in, you put names out there and you have low expectations. We expect the Brooklyn Nets as a team to be to play well. We expect that every game. We have high expectations. Nets fans have high expectations from the Brooklyn Nets. Why? Because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, to an extent, is out there playing. So when you say that you have low expectations and say what you expect from the group, Nets fans expect high expectations. They want you to win your game. It's as simple as that. You can't expect us to not say that we are expecting to have a, a, a low winning season. We expect us to be high in next this upcoming NBA draft. 
You can't expect that because we have Kyrie Irving and we have Kevin Durant. So when you start saying stuff like that, we expect the Brooklyn Nets to win games. That's just how it is. Now, if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving was not there, then we expect the Brooklyn Nets to be so-so or average. But we have high expectations. Why? Because we have one of the best players in the NBA. And we have one of the most skillful players in the NBA. And we have one of the most defensive players in the NBA when he gets himself together. So when you put that all together into a package, we expect the Brooklyn Nets to win games. So don't come out there and saying that you're expecting us. We What you expect from us? We expect you to play well. We expect for you to win no matter what. That's just what Brooklyn Nets fans are looking for this year. And to be honest, we've been looking for it for the past three, four years. And it hasn't happened to the level of expectations that we had set for the Brooklyn Nets. So when you say that, Kevin Durant, you say that because you not understanding the fact that we want you guys to succeed. And when you say that you're expecting us to play well because number seven out there, the answer is quite simply, yes, we expect you to play well. We expect all of the Brooklyn Nets to play well. And I expect Edmund Summer to play well. I expect Royce O'Neal to play well. I expect Joe Harris to play well. I expect Nicholas Claxton to play well. So if that means that they're in the starting lineup, I expect them to play well. We don't expect anything less from the Brooklyn Nets, just like any other fan don't expect anything less from their team because they want them to succeed. That's just how it is. So if you're telling me that you, we, you're asking this question, expecting you to play well, yes, we do want you to play well. It's as simple as that. Like, that's not even a question. Why would you even ask that question? We don't expect you to, to play poorly, no. We expect you to be at your best. And quite frankly, if it does include Ed Summer, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Claxton, then so be it. You've won games with these players. You won two games with Jacques Vaughn being a head coach, the first couple of games. So don't expect me, don't, 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 don't expect us to think that you're not going to play well for the rest of the season. We have high expectations because we know you can do it. Bottom line. Sorry. No, no, I, 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 I did. I, I, I second that thought. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I just stop fumbling over your words there. I just, I just, I just, I just, I, I just think back to my, my um, Diddy and my bad boy days, and it's like, tell him why you mad, son. Tell him why you. Mad. <laughs> I got, I got, I got more John Blaine shit than that. <laughs> nah, it's, it's, I'm the dumbest nigga you know. <laughs> you, but you know me, like, like. Saying stuff like that, like that kind of hurts me because, well, but yeah, because I mean, you are truly an invested fan, exactly. And, and personally, personally, I think the I think the Nets, I think the Nets dug themselves their own uh, their own grave when they took in Kyrie and blew up the team because you could see where they were. They were young, they were talented, they were hungry. They had just made the playoffs that year. And the next thing you know, they just blew it all up because Kevin Durant came in. And then it was just downhill from there. No, 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 no. To be honest, they blew it up when they went for James Harden. 
But what was the, what was the kid's name that they yeah. traded? Who? No. Wait, who? It was the one kid. He's playing for Indiana now. But they initially traded him. I forgot where he went, but then he got traded to Indiana. Um, but now I think he's playing with Cleveland. Oh, Kyle LeVert. Yeah. That's part of the James Harden trade. Oh, I see. That whole okay. ordeal when James Harden, um, that whole trade with James Harden was the, the end-all be-all. So they traded away Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, um, and a couple of, like, picks and some to that ex- extent. Spencer Dinwiddie left after free agency um, during, you know, after that time. Right. Um, because he was injured and everything. But that whole Karis LeVert, Jared Allen trade, and you know what's crazy about it? Because everybody's saying that. Like, they was like, yo, can you imagine if they didn't make that James Harden trade? Um, like, they would still have young pieces that they could build around with, with Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. And even alone, Jared Allen alone would be that focal point where they would be more, like, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they'll have everything that they need. They'll have the rebounding. They'll have the size. They'll have everything that they need. Um, quite frankly, they don't have that yet. So I'm not going to, and like I said, I wasn't going to write off Brooklyn until, for the, until the next 25 games before I say something. Um, I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But after hearing this and seeing the comments that was made by Kevin Durant, it almost kind of makes me want to just say, you know what, either Sean Marks is going to have to do something or, you know, just, just, you know, just start fresh. Like that's where I'm at this point. Because right now, Kevin Hart, I mean, Kevin Hart, gosh, Kevin Durant is, he's not, I mean, it almost seems like he's just there to just play ball, Um, but he's not like fully committed. It's like just playing just because I love the game of basketball. But at this point, it is what it is. Like there's no, like, I know he's committed to the the four years because he signed that extension and all that stuff, but it almost seems as though like right now he's just waiting for that time to go. So, um. It's it's like I said, it's it's becoming to a point where it's it's becoming a little bit more frustrating to hear these comments. And these are unnecessary comments. That's what makes it worse. Like like you're trying to write the ship. Like, so if you're gonna talk about the past, what happened while you requested a trade, that's one thing. But then to talk about the present and about the current starting lineup, that doesn't make sense at all to me. Let me ask you this question. So you made a very interesting point. Um, over the summer, Kevin Durant asked to trade. The Nets really didn't want to do it. Obviously, they took a couple of calls just to kind of test the words and see. They didn't think they were going to get back what they wanted. But now you have the Kyrie Irving issues with the comments, you know, comments, with the film that he tweeted. Now you have the Kevin Durant issue. I almost say issue, but comments. Uh, Steve Nash is out. You were flirting with um, you're flirting with Ume Yaduku, but some of your female workers weren't all that hot to the idea of him coming in. With all this stuff is going around, do you see a situation where the Nets are going to be like, you know what, we just gotta just we gotta we gotta get rid of them, both of them. And just start and start anew, knowing that one of the two is going to get you back um, more assets, maybe not almost equal value, 
but you know you can get you're going to get a lot if you give if you trade Kevin Durant more so than Kyrie Irving. But are you? But do you believe that the Nets are going to say, you know what, this ain't working? Let's just get let let's just get rid of them both and start anew. Um, not to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. I I think I think this experiment to create this manufactured big three is this way too far gone at this point. And I think, I don't think they'll trade both. Um, I think they're going to, I think, I think uh, Kyrie is going to play out the end of his contract. I think they're going to let him walk. Uh, personally, I think they just want to be done with his ass. Um, and then they'll have a lot of money freed up to then uh try to bring a piece in to play with Kevin Durant. That's what I think. But I think for it to be effective, I think the GM has to be the GM and let the players be the players and don't have the G, uh, the players' input, don't have a KD input. Like, look, we understand the type of player that you're looking for, but you're not going to tell us who you want to play with. We're going to try to find the best player, the best star talent that we can bring in to play alongside you to make this team better than what it is. This, that's just my opinion. To be honest, I, I kind of agree with you at this stage. Um, the Kyrie situation, number one, is far gone. Sorry, that's just, I mean, whether they trade them during the trade trade deadline, or if they find a trade, or if they just let them go, that's going to be, it is what it is. I think that at the end of the day, to be honest, I think that they do have a couple of significant pieces that could equal the value of Kyrie Irving. Not going to say that compare comparison, but I think a combination of Seth Curry and Cam Thomas alone should be enough to keep um, that may want to keep um, Kevin Durant there. But I agree, they need to find someone else that is um, that is more. What's the word I'm looking for? Complimentary. Not yeah, complimentary, but more um, reliable. That's the word I'm looking for. More reliable and dependable. Um, they're not going to get it from Ben Simmons at this point. Um, and right now, with like I said, with Kyrie, it's Kyrie. But I think that if they have it where they find more dependable stars um, to complement, I mean Kevin Durant, I think that overall he's not until he tells uh, until he requests a trade again. I think that you can definitely keep him in a position where he's able to stay and be content because like he said, he's just there to play basketball. So as long as they doing the work or putting in the work to do what he's asking, like the more closeout plays, more practices, um, holding him accountable. I mean, he's given that door where he's saying, look, you guys got to use me to whatever advantage because I'm trying to win. So if that means holding me accountable, even though if I don't, you know, regardless, if it means holding me accountable, then so be it. So I think that overall, it can be done where they keep Kevin Durant and build off of him. Outside of that, I think everybody else is open, at this point, open door as far as trade is concerned or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you, the past couple of games I see, as much as I'm a Joe Harris fan, like they could definitely get value for him. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, I think they need to utilize some of the stuff that they have. They can, you, they can get Joe Harris. Um, they can trade Joe Harris for a pick and a big and be good. And it could be serviceable enough for them because they need all the help they can get. Uh, I hear both of you guys, and um, I'm gonna go with the opposite. I <laughs> think, I think this, I think it's it's a done deal. I think the Kyrie Irving, I agree, he, he's done. Whether they can try to get a trade for him, let him walk, I think his time and I think his time in Brooklyn is up after this season, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. The Kevin Durant situation. I get it. You want to try to appease them, but this is the same man that came back and demanded not only the coach, but the GM get let go. Now, he didn't say anything about comments about the GM. He just said about Steve Nash, but then he tried to make it up saying, you know, I was doing this because I wanted more, I wanted more stronger practices. I get that. He wanted more accountability in the film class, not only for himself, other people. I get that. But if that was the reason why didn't you say that in the summer when you made those comments? Exactly. exactly. That was the impetus of your reason. If you're going to try to say it wasn't personal, it was business. If you're trying to do the Nino Brown situation, then say that. Right. You just came out and said, I want them traded and said nothing after that. If you would have came out and said, I want to, I, I'm looking for a different coach that's going to hold us all accountable because we need X, Y, and Z. And I didn't see that last season even going into this season because he said in the summertime not the beginning of the season he said in the summertime so he was make his preference in his comments from last season why not say i think we need to change the direction of coaching because i don't think steve nash a good guy is is with it because we need more x y and z and like you said al i don't have a problem with this comment about the coaching that that's fine but if that was the reasoning then you should have said the reason why I was thinking about we need a different direction in coaching is because X, Y, and Z. See, then my whole big thing is when they hired Steve Nash, why wasn't there any bitching about the fact it was Steve, uh, Steve Nash? KD knew what he was doing back when he was playing. Um, who was he playing for? I guess Golden State. He was Golden, Golden State, State. Yes. Uh, coaching staff, whatever. And he was familiar with Steve Nash. Like, if, if he... If he knew that this was the type of coach, why was he still on board with it to begin with? And then to have those comments that kind of bit him and Kyrie in the ass from way back when, when Kyrie was coming out saying, yeah, I don't think we need no coach. I think we just need to go out there and do our own thing. It's like he was all in agreement with Kyrie at the time, but just didn't say nothing. And that's the thing, and that's the thing that 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 is frustrating about this whole thing because like you like you said, eh? Um, Ace, Kyrie made these comments. Kevin Ryan didn't say anything about it. Like, no, I think we need a coach or anything like that. The ownership didn't say, no, he's the coach. You need a coach. You're going to get a coach. You know, he had his relationship with Kevin Durant. I'm pretty sure he got the job not solely on that relationship, but probably a large reasoning why, because that relationship, you brought him in. You can tell that he wasn't really up to the task. Maybe Jacques Vaughn should have got the job. Hell, maybe <laughs> Damian Doko should have got the job before he went to Boston. Um, but either way, I think you just need to start afresh. You need to, you know, let Kyrie go. Ben Simmons is a complete disaster. He's not the all-star that you thought he was going to be. Um, and Kevin Durant, 
you want to try the pizza, but I think it's best just to let them all go. Hell, try to see if you can get Golden State to take Kevin Durant back and get some of their young pieces because they ain't doing shit. I'm sure. Well, I, I will say this. I think that at the end of the day, I think that this is going to be the year that um, Sean Marks is proactive one way or another. Either he's going to be like, because first things first, first person has already gone is Steve Nash. So it's now Sean Marks is up against the clock. I think that if he doesn't make the, the necessary moves or changes to improve the roster, um, I think that that's going to be the end all be all for Sean Marks, um, at least for this year. Um, yep. Now, the only reason why I'm holding reserve is because there's still a lot of people that's injured. And I say this because with Kyrie Irving um, and at this point that's still now coming back on Sunday, I need to see how he is with Jacques Warren. That, to me, is going to be the more telling thing out of anything. And that, to be honest, that's the most watch for me. Um, if he goes off the cusp and is the same Kyrie, even with Jacques Warren being the head coach and he's not listening or whatever the case may be, then that's when I know for a fact that this is it. There's no... There's no end all around it. Like this is done. This season is done. Um, but I am hopeful that changes will be made. Um, but I need to see exactly how they work together before I say anything. Um, I still say at this point, I would prefer, like there is some changes that need to be done. Like I wouldn't, to be honest, I don't understand why Joe Harris is still in the starting lineup. That's just my opinion. Like at this point, changes should have been made at the from the jump. If you're able to take Ben Simmons and put him as a backup five, then you should also make some changes within the starting lineup in regards to making it more complimentary. Royce O'Neal should stay. Claxton should stay. That's fine. I get that. But the change between I mean, Kyrie is going to come back, so that takes a summer back and put him back in the back burner. But the to be honest, I thought Summer was playing particularly good. Um, these past couple of days with Kyrie out. But I think Joe Harris definitely needs to take a seat back. That's just my opinion. I think that there's other ways. Like, you could easily do uh, Kyrie. To be honest, the lineup for me, personally, should be Kyrie, Cam Thompson, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, Nicholas Claxton. Like, I think that would be ideal because you'll have more offensive power. Well, it's going to well, be very. But, but, who, if you say Joe Harris should be started, who would start in front of uh, Joe Harris? I, um, that's what I just said. Kyrie Irving, Cam Thomas, um, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, Nicholas Claxton. But they still, it doesn't, I mean, I think that change should, would help, but they should also still solidify a big. Until they get a big, it's not going to work. This small lineup thing, Nicholas Claxton, as much as I see an improvement from him, they need another big, and I mean a big, big. Someone like a DeMarcus Cousins. Dwight Howard's already overseas, so that won't work. But if they pull like a big in to compliment um, Nicholas Claxton, because they were on shoppers, obviously he's not getting no playing time. So they need to pull another big in that will solidify their, you know, handling the centers. Outside of that, they should be good to go. Like that game against Sacramento, when Sacramento scored 153 points against them. So bonus was dominating. And that's because they didn't have no one that can handle the toughness of Sabonis. Like get a big that can can that can slow him down. It'd be easier to do that. 
But rid of all the bigs they had. No, uh, to be honest, the bigs that they have weren't. Lamarcus Arcus is at a point where he couldn't do nothing. Um, Andre Drummond, by all accounts, was a liability on on defense. Rebounding was there, but defense was a liability. So they need someone young. Well, I guess there's going to be a lot of next issues going on. And like you said, Al, we're going to see what happens when Kyrie Irving comes back with Jacques Vaughn. I'm still of the opinion. Uh, if you want to keep Jacques Vaughn, I don't think you need to have all those distractions with, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Ben Simmons on his plate if you really want to gauge what kind of coach that he is. But we shall see in the upcoming weeks. Um, but on to a much more somber note. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we have to talk. We um, University of Virginia uh, football team. Three players were shot by another um, twenty-two-year-old Virginia student. Um, one while he slept, and two others shot as well. Um, the football players Lavelle Davis Jr., Deshaun Perry, and Devin Chandler, um, all University of Virginia football players, all shot and killed by another student uh, while they were on their way back from a outing to Maryland to, I believe, to see either a play or something to that effect. But, but otherwise, on the bus ride back, um, the student took out a gun and shot three, killing those three students and injuring two. And allegedly, from what some people were saying, the kid was allegedly bullied by one if not all three students at least that's what there is being saying um, right now the um right now the student is in jail um pled not guilty to the shootings and i believe their um the prosecution is looking for um possibly um i think second degree murder i but don't don't quote me on that um no, three counts of second degree murder and three counts of using a handgun and commission of a felony. Um, fellas, I'm not sure if you had caught caught too much of this. I know I caught this kind of late. Um, but what are your thoughts about this issue that happened in Virginia? And mind you, they canceled their last game in lieu of what just happened. Okay. Um, also, let it be stated that the gunman was a former walk-on for the UVA football team. Um, yes, yes, yes. That is true. So... I think some of the bullying has something to do with that um, because I think they were all at one point, all teammates um, at the same time, uh, but don't quote me. Uh, secondly, they canceled the final home game, but they're not sure if they're going to cancel the rest of the season. Um, Cause I believe they still have three games left. The, the last home game was going to be this weekend. And then they had two away games. So they're still determining if they want to continue the season or not. Um, it's a very sad, horrific, tragic event. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the world is coming to nowadays when everybody just feels as though that they need to turn to a gun to settle whatever type of issues or disputes that they may have. Um, my condolences to all the families who lost loved ones. Condolences to those, not well, condolences, no, but prayers for those who were injured uh, and have a speedy recovery. Uh, regardless of bullying or not, 
Uh, I, I believe personally that the kids should have the book thrown at them. You know, just because you got bullied to understand that you put up with a lot of torment and a lot of frustration over the bullying that you may have. And you might have been bullied, you know, prior to making it to UVA. I don't know. Hell, I've always been fat. People call me fat all the time. And I was bullied and teased and called all types of names when I was growing up. Was to me, do nothing crazy or act violent towards anybody. I think these kids nowadays and people in general just need to develop a little bit tougher, tougher skin and try to use that that negative and try to push it to something positive within themselves and stop trying to hide behind something that can ultimately hurt someone else and in this case kill somebody else. It's it's very tragic. I just don't know what or how that could have been prevented unless now you have to take even more preventative measures that when you go on field trips on on a college campus that you must be searched for weapons before you get on a bus. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much that's probably what it's coming down to nowadays. That if you want to do anything, you got to go through metal, metal detectors or have to be uh, searched by police or whomever security before you can step on any form of transportation. I don't know. It's just, it's just very sickening. And it's very saddening to hear this just because it seems like this type of crap is just happening every day. And it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and prayers goes to the families um, and the victims' families. Um, this is a tragic event. Um, I con- I completely agree. Um, we're in a position where, especially when you have these young young guys um, that are in college and in school, doing well, education, um, playing football. And to see their lives cut so short because of this is is very tragic. Um, and I, like I said, I don't know everything about the situation, uh, but like stuff like this should not and should not happen. Um, but at the end of the day, the question is, is that what can we do to prevent it going forth? I don't know what we can do at this stage, but the thing that we could do is we have to continue to encourage each other and stop being negative about everything that goes on, especially when we're a part of a a society where they are looking at you in every shape, every thing that you do, that it's so vital that we have to be positive and encourage each other. I mean, this is gonna be another thing where people are going to say about young African-Americans losing their lives over just senseless senseless kill, like senseless killings um it's just it's it's tragic it's tragic and and i'm not just saying it because it's a cliche but when you have african american brothers that were in school in college you know getting that education while playing football and to see them lose their lives is just it's 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 sad it's sad and is we have to work together um, in regards to helping each other out. Now, I don't know about the bullying, but if that is the true, if that's true, then that needs to stop. We have to encourage each other. There's no reason um, where 
if you're on a football team, you're bullying another football teammate. Like they're supposed to be a team where everyone is together, working to do things together. So unfortunately, this is the sad state that we live in, but we can definitely do better if we know better and know that guns is not always the, the, the solution to all problems. So um, again, not just prayers to the family, but to the entire football team. Um, hopefully the university comes together in solidarity and, you know, to, 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 to do whatever it takes to, to, to work their way out of this and just praying for their comforting. Um, hopefully that they, they, they find comfort. That's all you can do at this point. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, you know, it's, you know, guns, mental health, you know, when you mix those two things together, you know, usually not good things happen. You know, like I said, our thoughts definitely go out to those families, um, regardless of what the issues may have been between those three guys and, 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 the, other, and the other student. I mean, violence to guns is never the way to handle situation. You might think it is because that's all you see, but it's never the way. I mean, we can always speak about that from our, our vantage point because we're not in the guy's shoes, so we don't know what he was experiencing. But um, you will hope that, you know, turn into, you know, turn to the still is not the way to do it. So, um, you know, this is going to be definitely time of healing for University of Virginia um, student body, the football team itself, um, whether or not they play football moving forward is secondary to what's going on right now. Um, I just hope, I just pray for, you know, some sanity in this world um who knows what's going to happen you know you know to this guy but um you know you know just pray for you know health and happiness of everybody that's involved um definitely for the all the families of the students that lost their lives um but um like i said mental health issues guns never good mix and if we, we always should check on our on our brothers and sisters, even if we think that they may have issues, we not don't want to say anything. It's always a good, you know, sign to say something. Talk to somebody. If you know someone's going through something, you know, speak to them, you know, talk to them, see how you can do to help. If no one ever speaks to somebody, even if the person doesn't want to really talk about it, you got to try to get them to open up because when they close up and not say anything, it all it may all explode at one point at one moment. And we saw what happened on this bus. So, um, like I said, we here at Guys Talking Sports, we, like I said, our hearts and prayers go out to the families of all those affected. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes more on that. Yes. But on a more positive note, Ace. All right. Aaron Judge, I believe, is going to get the AL MVP. Oh, he got it. He got it? Okay. I don't think any... I mean, people are saying Shohei Otani. Oh, <laughs> I... I get it why he could probably be up there every year for MVP. But his... But the Yankees did have a better record than him, and when a lot of people were hurt, he was the only person that kept that team semi-afloat. <laughs> for about a good month and a half until everybody came back. Now, playoffs a different story because he kind of went dark. 
but um, hell, I think it's well deserved. What do you think about the um, his award, Ace? Let me rephrase that. Do you believe that outside of this award that the Yankees will resign him? Because you know, once he got the MVP, the price yesterday's price definitely wasn't today's price. <laughs> of, course not. of course not. And I think the Yankees are probably waiting to see if he was going to win it before they offer him a contract. Personally, he was he was two shy, two second place, two second votes shy of a perfect sweep of getting all first place votes. And he blew out Shohei Otani, damn near two to one as far as uh, voting goes. So with that being the case, he did come out and say that he wants to play on a team that's a winner, and he wants to win. That he's been to, he's been close, and he's just trying. So obviously, when you're looking at it that way, there's only a handful of teams that he will go consider going to. L.A., Houston, New York, maybe the Phillies. If the Phillies had some money to, uh, to spare. Boston, you know, they just had a down year. So you're only looking at a handful of squads that the Yankees have to be worried about. Personally, if I'm the Yankees, I just say screw the luxury tax and just write a blank check and say, here, man, this, just write it out and just go ahead and just take it to the bank. I'm just going to go ahead and sign it. We'll just deal with it how we want to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Because at this point, he's uh, he's he's earned it. And again, I've I've preached this time and time again, where the bottom line is, if he wasn't 30 years old, the Yankees would have would have signed him to a big time contract a long time ago. But the fact that he's 30 and what these teams are nowadays are not trying to write these big contracts to players that are 30 years old because they're realizing by the time they're 34, 35, the decline is real and they're not, they're not the money that they're getting paid is not a value to the organization. So that's the Yankees conundrum. And I think they're just going to have to eat it and just deal with it. He is Derek Jeter light. Um, and the Yankees surely need that type of presence in the locker room uh, to keep that team relevant, personally. I, I, he leaves. I'm not saying that the Yankees still can't win, but he's a big part of when bats go cold, his bat remain hot during the season. And then, obviously, all the bats went cold in the playoffs. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was Arctic out there. Right, exactly. So, um, if I were the Yankees, Verlander and Judge would be my two top priorities, and I would do whatever it takes to get them to, and then sign whatever players that you need to sign and keep it moving. But congrats to Judge, well-deserved. He earned it. And I just hope that he can follow it up with a, uh, a great season. doesn't have to be historic like it was this season, this past season. But just continue that greatness to, see, to say that you deserve the contract that the Yankees will hopefully give him, and he'll hopefully still be a Yankee for years to come. 
Um, I voted for Shohei Otani. I was one. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> nah. Okay. <laughs> nah, but um, yeah, I was the one that stopped that perfect sweet one of the people that stopped that perfect first place folks. Um, but nah, seriously though, um, there it was to be expected at this stage. I mean, I don't really see anybody else really believing that anybody else had a shot. So I'm only gonna say this. Um it was expected kudos because it was well-deserved at this stage. I mean, like you said, if he wasn't there, the Yankees would probably wouldn't even make that playoffs with the way he kept them afloat. He basically kept that team afloat. Mm -hmm. So you got to give credit where credit was due. And the Yankees definitely needed to do right by him. Bottom line. Um, now that he's won MVP, they need to do right by him. And hopefully they do. So I'm going to just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he, uh, I think the Yankees are definitely going to make their their best pitch effort. But I agree with you, Ace. Um, pitching is something they need to. I think they need to at least show Aaron Judge that hey, we're trying to put the pieces in place, not to just to get over the hump because we the bats went cold, but also the pitching always is like you like you always say, Ace. You need that. I mean, Justin Verlander is good. I'm a little hesitant because he he's up there in age and you don't know if next year he's going to have a precipitous drop. Um, it damn sure is sure up that bullpen as well as try to get a, another ace. But I think you'd have got unanimous. He would have got the triple crown. And the funny thing is he was just a little bit off of a triple crown because he was kind of petering out so much trying to go for that, you know, trying to break that record that he wasn't trying to hit strategically. He was trying to hit home runs every time at bat yep. and cost them and basically cost them the triple crown. Now, if he would have got the, I think if he would have got the home run record two weeks earlier than what he did, then he could have, you know, focus on maintaining average, right? Yeah. But you saw he had the triple crown in the lead in a home run. And when he got close, you know, the one average, you know, dropped. So either way, I think, I know the Giants talking about they're going to toss him some money. He could go there, but I don't think he is. I agree with you. Ace is probably only maybe two, three teams out there that he could really see himself going to. Houston Rockets being one, which would be really funny. Uh, right. <laughs> Dodgers, uh, that would take him back home. Um, Phillies, they got a lot of, they got money in Bryce Harper, but he's having an injury. I mean, he's having surgeries offseason, so we'll see what happens. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to wind up with the Yankees. I know the Suns are a little bit more frugal than dad was when it comes to playing, paying players, but I think this is the one time where I think they can just kind of throw caution to the wind and be like, maybe you don't give them a 10-year extension. Maybe you you front load it for like a four or five-year and give them a ton of money up front. Don't give them a 10-year contract. Give them four or five years, a shitload of money. Mm -hmm but try to say, hey, we're going after X, Y, and Z. We're going to get this picture. We're going to get this picture and maybe another bat in the, in the um, you know, in the clubhouse to kind of help you and do something with, you know, you know, Gene Carton stand because I don't know what the hell is up with him. He's just not consistent over the last couple of years. I think he's pissing all the Yankees fans off because you don't know what you're going to get. He's hurt every year. Right. 
Right. Uh, and it just the one year that he wasn't hurt, he came out there and did did damage. You know, um, <sighs> I would love to see a Stanton and Judge and Rizzo and all those guys kind of stick together. Hell, I'd even like to see the Yankees go after Trey Turner. I just don't know if they have enough money to go after a Turner signed judge. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm like, Mr. Verlander, I would offer you, I know you on a long-term deal. I would offer you a three-year X amount of money with the third year being an option. So pretty much making it a two-year deal. Come in and be the number two behind uh, behind uh, Cole. By, behind Cole, Cole, uh, Cole Verlander and uh, and Cortez is one, two, three. Shoot! And then you got uh, Dominguez rounding out the four, and then you could just you could throw whoever you wanted to be the fifth day starter. Man. That, that damn lineup, that pitcher lineup would be nasty. Now, this the bigger thing is, can them jokers just hit? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I just, just be consistent. Don't be that powerful team that was before the All Star break looked like y'all were world beaters, and then you look like you, you, you know, like you're dropping the soap every day after that. Come after the All Star break because y'all didn't have, you couldn't, couldn't swing the bat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, so try to try to spread some of that hit power uh, throughout the rest of the season and let the pitching do what it needs to do. But that would be my dream if the Yankees could probably pick up those three big names. And like you said, if 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 Daddy Stan, Steinbrenner was still there, they'd already been locked up. <laughs> he oh, would have yeah. like he'd be like Ver, Ver, Verlander, Trey Turner, and Judge. I want them first day of free agency signed. Well, let's go into this the winter meetings, knowing that we are the class to the damn baseball world, and ain't nobody touching us. I miss those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell, Daddy, Daddy right Steinbrenner might have just gave him the checkbook and be like, "Right now, dear, how much you think you should get?" We'll <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and then we'll talk. Exactly. Ah, I don't know about all that. Shoot, that's how he used to roll. That's why everybody. That's why they called him the Evil Empire because. Steinbrenner didn't care. Steinbrenner was signing any and everybody to, ah. to big time. And, and it was because of it's because of the Yankees that they developed the damn luxury tax. Ah. <laughs> ah. I don't know about all that. I'm just saying. Well, I guess the one thing you can't let him do is go to the fucking Mets. Yes. <sighs> That's where he needs. There we go. Yeah, you're talking. They would go to the Mets. That's just a slap in the face. Steinbrenner's <laughs> wouldn't. The Steinbrenner's would probably get ran out of town. <laughs> Georgia, res- Georgia resurrected himself. <laughs> you see the ghost of George just running around. <laughs> like, come up there smacking all the Steinbrenner sons in the face. What you hell wrong with y'all? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's too crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, good luck. Quick, yeah, good luck indeed. Well, you know, baseball is going to be interesting, so we'll see what happens with that. A quick update on football. Um, as there is Thursday night football, I want to make a suggestion: cancel Thursday night football because it's just lame all around. <laughs> However, 
Uh, Titans 20, Packers 17, uh, with two minutes left into the uh, third quarter. Uh, so real quick before we go, a little touching on on football. We did see that the Philadelphia Eagles got their first loss to the uh, Washington Commanders. football team. I can't even say it. It just, it just sounds bad. That just... <laughs> <laughs> So, Whatever the gold people are. <laughs> this, this, the Washington football team sounds much better. Um, so uh, so they took their first loss on the Eagles, um, but they're still ahead of head in division. Um, Buffalo Bills played a hellacious game against the Vikings, and I was glad I decided to watch that outside of the Giants game, which was a snooze fest. Um, and then Tua. Do you believe Tua is a top five quarterback? Because there's been a lot of overreaction on get up on first take um on all the sports talk shows about Tua and that he's a quote-unquote top five quarterback uh, i put it like this not to say that uh, uh the name of the coach from last year slips me from the dolphins um but he's with the steelers now um and I believe, don't quote me if I'm wrong. Oh, well, don't, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, you know, but please correct me. I believe that the coach from last year believed in Tua, but it was the organization that didn't believe in Tua and they wanted to tank because they were trying to do something better. Or was it the other way around? It was a reverse. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, it looks as though Tua finally has a head coach, an offensive coordinator that's putting Tua in the best possible position to win. Not to mention giving him some pretty damn good talent around him to make him better. Uh, the offensive line is playing pretty damn good too. Um, so that kind of helps when you have the right staff around the right type of uh, quarterback. Or you got the, the quarterback and the staff that wants to put the quarterback in the best position. No different than um, the QB for the Eagles. You know, they got the staff that saying, you know what? We're going to run offense that plays to his strength instead of trying to put a round peg in a square hole. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, finally, you have the right type of offense that's utilizing Geno to his strength. Now he looks like he's an NFL quarterback. It's all about, it's all about, you know, everybody wants to sit there and say the NFL is a drop back league and you have to be able to read defenses, blah, 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 blah. That may be true, but this is also an offense that these quarterbacks are running these particular RPOs and these particular offensive schemes all the way back to peewee in high school football. And then they're going to college playing that same system. Why can't these NFL teams sit there and be like, well, damn, the dude was winning from ever since he's 12 years old up to he's damn near 22 or 21, 22. And then all of a sudden we want to throw some type of offense that makes him look crappy. And then he's washed up out of the league in two, three years. This finally is starting to finally click with these guys. Like maybe we need to change with the times. So good for two. The bigger question is for Tua, is this an anomaly of a season? 
or is this something that's going to be consistent over the years to come? But it all depends if the coach and offensive coordinator stay consistent and stay, stay the same over those same years. And if they lose the OC, will they bring in the OC with a similar philosophy to help continue Tua's growth? Um, that's the way I look at it. So is Tua a top five quarterback this year? Quite possibly, because you got the, the you have the greats out there playing like crap this year. So it makes it, it makes other quarterbacks elevate the game. Joe Burrow isn't playing all that great. Tom Brady isn't playing great. Aaron Rodgers looking like straight trash. Uh, so that gives the opportunities of these other young quarterbacks that are playing halfway decent to make names for themselves. And I think it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, he could be in the conversation of top five these, this season. Um, I guess there could be, a, I mean, there's arguments for him. Let's be honest. He could be in, he's definitely in the top 10 for this season. Top five is definitely room for arguments because there's so many teams that are playing well, so many quarterbacks that are playing well. Uh, but we can definitely say he's going to come up at this stage. Um, the question is, basically, can he sustain it, like they said? So um, right now he's playing well, um, but I don't I, – I, as of right now, there is an argument to him being a top five. Um we just have to see him sustain it. That's really what it boils down to. He's in the right position right now with the right coach, the right coordinator. Um, like I said, if they continue it, then we'll see. Let's reevaluate this at the end of the season um, because a season can, I mean, it's just halfway through, but, you know, it could turn around and not be favored to him. So um, for right now, I'll say he's in the argument of being one of the top fives. Argument. I'm not guaranteed he's a top five, but he's in the argument. He can argue, we can argue that he could be one of the top five. This season. This season. This particular point right now. Because <laughs> you could yeah. throw Gino in that same damn mix. And that's that's my point. You could mm -hmm. throw Gino, you could throw, I mean, of course, you have Jalen Hurts, you have Josh Allen. So you already have four of those there. And all of them can make a case or argument. Patrick Mahomes. So you you could argue that Geno Smith and you could argue that um, Tua Tungalova could be in the top five. There's still mm -hmm. other quarterbacks out there that are also playing well as as you know as we could talk about and debate. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think if you're looking at this year in a vacuum, I think you can. Based on his stats, this QBR rating, yes, I would say that Tua is definitely in the conversation as a top five quarterback. Um, if you're going to say outside of the vacuum and who would you list as your overall top five quarterbacks, he's not in there. Right. Um, just like you said, the same thing about um, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is playing in the system well. He got exposed a little bit on Thursday. Actually, he got, a, he got exposed in a game right. prior to that with the Texans. Yeah. But he really got exposed because when it came to having to throw the ball, that's his Achilles heel. We won't talk about that. But that's why I believe where the, where the Eagles will fall to in the playoffs. We won't get to that. But um, if you're talking about Tua, yeah, I think all the sports you know pundits, and they have to do that. They always want to say, oh, well, Tua is, is, is the best in the league, and this, this, and that. He's better than you know, Joe Burrows, he's better than Josh Allen. I'm like, let's see what he can do next year. 
Now, I right. will say this. Okay. If he didn't have Tyreek Hill, I am not sure he would be as his stats would be as good as it is right now um, because Tyreek helps out a lot. And we saw home pre Tyreek and he had Jason, you know, he had, you know, Jason Waddle and a lot of the cats and they had a really good team, but they made leaps and bounds. Now, as far as the Miami Dolphins as a serious threat, we're going to see because they had a pretty soft schedule up to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Their next game is the Texas. And after that, the Niners, the Chargers, eh, and the Bills. So we're, if they if they win all three, then I have no problem with saying that the, the Miami Dolphins are right up there, right behind the Chiefs and in, 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 uh, right behind the Chiefs. But this is going to be the real test. After the Texans, which I think is still a buy because they're just a disaster, um, we're going to really see exactly how good not just two it is, but how the Dolphins really are. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this. This is 11-17-2022 um, at 10-27. You can mark it down. Adrian, I believe your 49ers are the sleeper of the NFC. I believe the 49ers are going to make it to the NFC Championship. And write, both of you, write it down. I believe the Giants are going to play against them. What are you, so what are you saying? I don't believe that because they're not. <laughs> and, I, and I don't believe you. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to have belief for your squad. I believe my the Giants are a few years away from being a, a year or two away from being, depending on how they handle the, the QB and some other stuff. But I think your 49ers are going to come together right at the end of the season and no one is going to want to play them. And I believe that the Giants will sit, sit there and continue. <laughs> you don't want to believe it. No, no, you laugh. But the Giants are playing solid football. They're not They're not out there blowing you out. They're not doing anything flashy. Daniel Jones still may have – he may not look great, but y'all are winning. Your defense is playing great. They're, they're winning. I agree with you. They are winning. That's more coaching and the coaches, you know, getting those players to play at their position. But they are deficient in a lot of areas. The 49ers, on the other hand, has some has some injuries. You have to admit that has some injuries. Mm-hmm. I know you're unsure of them because they let you down in the past. But if I look at the 49ers roster and then look at the Giants roster, the 49ers roster has a lot more talented players than the Giants roster as it stands today. And I agree with you on that. And wholeheartedly. And but the 49ers then, had some injuries mm-hmm. in the beginning of the season, and they were looking very shaky. I think they're going to come together in the second in his second half, and I think they're going to do good. Seattle, I'm not 100 percent sold. Again, Seattle, like the Giants, are just playing fundamentally sound football. And to me, I'm not saying those two teams could be the Cincinnati Bengals from last year because Joe Burrow and um, and um, the hell is the, the wide receiver over there? Um, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was electrifying. I mean, that's that that's the dynamic duo. But bottom line is they were playing some hella good football offensively, 
but it was the defense that was really putting in the work and making things great. You don't have to have a, a, a high-powered offense to win games in the NFL. If your defense is sound, you win games. True. So, yes, the 49ers got a great defense. The 49ers has a ton, ton, ton of talent on offense. But I'm sorry, I'm not sold on check down uh, Garoppolo, man. I'm not sold on check down Garoppolo. If that, if that pocket is not clean, that joker is just not that good. And I don't know if it's because when he injured his knee uh, doing an RPO, that uh, the, well, I guess it was within the first or second year once he came to the Niners. And I don't know if he's a little gun shy or he just not going to tuck the ball and do what he need to do. But ever since he hurt his knee, he's not that same QB. He he led us all the way to the Super Bowl, but since he took us to the Super Bowl, uh, I don't even see that same quarterback. So you see this, you see this Al? I'm trying to big up his Ford Anna squad, and, and he's throwing it, and he's throwing it back at me. All but, I'm saying is, it's a very good possibility based on talent. Yes. But at the one key position where I think that needs to be that dude, he could be that dude, but he's just very in, very inconsistent. I would have much, I would have much rather seen Trey Lance went ten and seven with the 49ers and the 49ers squeak into the playoffs, as opposed to seeing Jimmy G lead them to a a twelve and five type of a twelve and five or eleven and six season, and kind of be that dunk, dink and dunk dude in the playoffs. Wow. I don't even, I, I, I'm not unsure that, that Trey Lance will get you to 10 and 7 based on what I've seen prior before the injury. Again, back then, the, the, there was a lot of key injuries. You know, and then obviously you you didn't, now you brought in a, a Christian McCaffrey, and I just that kind of would have opened up some things to make him a little bit more dynamic because then now you would have had to respect the run of the QB, and you would have had to respect Debo and Christian McCaffrey and all the all the wideouts that they have. But you also have to understand that uh, Trey Lance had only played one full season at a, a G five school, not even the G five shit, one uh, double A. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I would have, I would have, I would have taken that because I would have loved to see the seasoning under him. Sort of like take off like how Joe Burrow did after his second season that he got hurt. And I would have liked to see that maturation to see what he could have become. So I don't know. Well, I like this. I know you're... I have no faith. No faith in the 49ers. But I do believe that the 49ers are going to spin it up. And I think that they'll... Well, I think at this particular point, they might have to win the division just to get into the playoffs because... uh, Seattle's playing good ball. Yeah. So, but if they do get in there, I believe that they have, I believe that they will make it to the NFC Championship game. You think Tampa's going to win NFC South? Who else going to win? Everybody's still got a shot. (laughs) Realistically, yes. Let me me rephrase that. Statistically, yes. Realistically, I think Tampa Bay will still get it. I think this is. I think Tom Brady's probably his last year when to lose. He got. A, he has a lot of tricking to do after after he retires. 
He done, <laughs> he done jacked up his. That's another story for another another talk. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. That's another story. Yeah. But but people, we are out here. We are on there. We are on the clock time. So uh, let them know where they can find you at. You can find me behind a smoker getting this turkey on. But nah, mm-hmm. they can find me on Twitter. Uh, Cat Daddy one nine six three on Twitter. That's Cat Daddy one nine six three on Twitter. And of course, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter, Instagram. I am Al Qualls. And a special shout out to both the AFC and the NFC East teams, conferences, or yes, the NFC East and the A- the AFC East and the NFC East, because this is the first time that both the AFC East and the NFC East have teams that are on winning records. And you can find me on Snapchat, ugh, Snapchat, Twitter, and the gram, uh, J.E. Ross, the number seven. And uh, before we go, I think us brothers, um, as brothers of Iota Phi Theta, would be remiss if we do not acknowledge um, the brothers of Omega Psi Phi. Um, their founding day is today on November 17, 1911 at Howard University. So big ups to the brothers of Omega Psi Phi. We also have to um, acknowledge the ladies of Sigma Gamma Rho. Their founding day was early this week on the 12th, November 12th, 1922 at Butler University. So to all of those beautiful coolers out there, uh, we want to just acknowledge you and say... Um, happy 100. <laughs> happy 100. Yes. Yes. Happy 100. Um, with that was saying, you know, next week, same... Well, we may have same bat time, same bat channel. Thanksgiving, so who knows? We'll uh, we'll get back to that later. But until next time, love, peace, and soul. Come before me.